Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Amen. Good morning. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord, and we're glad that you are here. I want to say just a word of welcome uh, to all of our home folk and our guests and visitors today. I look out and, and I see both, and I love it. I um, want to take this opportunity, grab your bulletins. Let's all pull off that tab that's on the side of your bulletin this morning. That's going to do two things. If you are visiting with us today, we want to get to know you. And this is an opportunity for us to contact you uh, in, in some way, shape, or form. So please fill that out so that we can get in touch with you, get to know you better, and allow you to get to know us. Just want to say a quick word that next Sunday morning, August the 2nd, we will have a, a more formal time. If you have been visiting with us and you want to get to know us as Bowling Springs Baptist Church, we're going to have what we're calling starting point. And you uh, come on Sunday next Sunday morning at 9.45. It'll be during our Sunday school time, but we want to meet with you in the fellowship hall. Keith and I will be sharing with you and just talking uh, a little bit about who we are. If, again, if you've been visiting with us, we want to get to know you in that way. But also, if you've been away for a while and you're coming back and you want to kind of get to know who is Bowen Springs Baptist Church now, we want to give you that opportunity too. So next Sunday morning at 9.45 in the fellowship hall, we'll have our starting point. On the back side of that welcome slip is also a prayer request form. And that's for everybody to fill out. If you have a prayer need, we want to be praying with you or for you. And so please fill that out. You can drop that in the offering plate as it comes by during the offering time. You may also use this as a care slip. There should be some care slips in front of you uh, in the offering envelope piece. That is for our care ministry. That gives us the opportunity to uh, show care to those who are in need, to send cards, to make phone calls. The care ministry meets on Wednesday evening, so that gives them something to work with. So please, we want to be able to be sharing care and con um, concern to the people of our community and our church family as well. I want you to, to look on the back side of your bulletin. This this week, we did have a, a little bit of a, an error. Uh, unfortunately, it's not just a one-liner. Um, the, the calendar on the back is completely wrong. Uh, Betsy apologizes for that. She was going out on vacation and was trying to do two bulletins at one time, and she put the wrong calendar in the wrong bulletin. So I just want to say that next week is not August the 2nd through the 8th. You did not miss, miss an entire week of your life. Um, <laughs> This week is July the 26th through August the 1st, and so want to just make you aware of that and to kind of let you know some things that need to be inserted. Um, obviously, the starting point is not this Sunday. It is next Sunday, um, the next Sunday. Um, also note that our youth will be going to Caswell in the morning, so the children's event will be the following Monday and not this Monday. So just kind of pick up on things like that. Prayer Shaw Ministry meets this week at 6 o'clock. Um, so just kind of follow those as best you can. Note that there is, and I'm trying to follow what she's got here too, the Back to School Bash obviously will be the following uh, Saturday, August the 8th, instead of this coming Saturday. So that's about the best that I can do there without being very confusing. Um, I want to draw attention to this beautiful trophy down on the, uh, the table this morning. I want to say a big thanks to our men, our men's softball team. Let's give them a hand. 
Um, they won their regular season league championship and also their tournament. Uh, they were 16-0 in regular season and played four games with no loss in the tournament. So they had a lot of fun and enjoyed themselves greatly. Be praying for them as they will be going to play at the state tournament in Rock Hill next weekend. So be thinking of them as they travel and, and share time together. I want to just say, please pray for our youth this week as we are at Caswell. That's a really important time for them. And remember them as they grow and worship together this week. Remember our adults, too, um, that will be with us. I want to invite you back tonight at 5 o'clock for our uh, spiritual growth session as we continue to talk about hospitality. And we're unpacking a little bit more about the, the Sunday morning sermons, some too. But this week particularly, we'll be talking about using our home, using our home as an evangelism tool and being hospitable in our home. This morning in our mission moment, we have a very uh, special time. These are not strangers to our church family, but many of you may or may not have known that uh, Hannah and Celeste Thurman went to Honduras on a mission trip uh, with Camps Creek Baptist Church, and they are here to share just briefly a little bit about what God is doing in Honduras and what God is doing in their lives. So we're glad to have them with us this morning. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says that you are the light of the world. A city located on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In June, Hannah and I had a wonderful opportunity to go to Honduras with my sister Meredith, who is here today, my niece Melissa, and 13 others from Chattanooga, Tennessee. This was an experience I will never forget. This was a first for me as well as Hannah to fly out of the country. My sister on our flight back said, you know that half of the mission trip is going and the other half is sharing your experiences. And I said, you can forget that. <laughs> the very next day, the very next day she said this, the pastor asked if Hannah and I would be willing to do the mission moment. And I'm thinking, I could hear my sister saying, what did I tell you? So here we are. Our team's mission was to travel to a remote village approximately four hours by an old school bus and spread the word of God. Along with us, we also had 10 plus translators and two cooks. We stayed in the small four-room school in the village. All of our supplies were carried with us, including food, medical supplies, and medicines, cots, clothes, and anything else we needed for that three days. There was no electricity, so we had to use a generator for any power needed. We started at sunrise, which was around 5 a.m., and ended at dark, which was around 6.30 p.m. When the generator was turned off, it was definitely bedtime because it was pitch black with no outside lights such as street lights. We did have a roof over our heads with no window glass, but it did have open rafters. Insects were free to come and go as they pleased. Also, smoke from the trash that was burnt th that night because everything had to be burned because there was no trash facility, so the smoke would come through our room as well. Going to bed was always interesting. 
There was five in our small room, and our army cots were put side by side, literally. Insect netting was put over our cots to keep the insects from landing on us or biting us. It also would get cool at night, so not only did we have the netting, we had a plastic tablecloth that would go over the netting to keep the cool air from blowing on us. It was very claustrophobic, to say the least, at times. And about the time you got fixed, you realized you had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Which was a little outhouse in the back of the camp. This was a story all in itself, and I do not do outhouses. But being, being so dark, I also nearly brushed my teeth with ointment instead of toothpaste because my little size was the size of an ointment tube and I just picked up the wrong one outside trying to juggle holding your flashlight, your toothbrush, and a bottle of water. Needless to say, it took my whole bottle of water to get the ointment off my brush. <laughs> you could only refill your bottle with the water that the mission brought as any other water was unsanitary to drink. You just don't realize how much you take for granted the simple things of just getting ready for bed. Our team was divided into several groups. One group witnessed to children, which is where Hannah and, and Melissa served through Children's Church, music and other fun activities. Sometimes we would hand out a piece of gum to the children and you would think it would be a $100 bill. The next day we would notice that they were still chewing that same piece of gum that was given to them the day before. In the evening, before it got dark, some of the team members would throw a frisbee or a tennis ball around. Several children would stand along the fence and just watch. The last day, the frisbee, which had been duct taped back together, was given to a child, and you would think that it was something really big. Everything given to them was appreciated so much. We also had a makeshift clinic to see patients for medical, dental, and vision. We would have to move our cots out of the way each day and reset it up for the patients to be seen that day. My job was to weigh each patient and check blood pressures for anyone over 40 so that the pharmacist would know the dosage of medicine needed for the patient. This information was placed on a card, given to the patient, and they would wait to see the doctor or dentist. We had two Honduran doctors and two nurses. Once diagnosed, the medicine needed was put on a card. They were then sent to the pharmacy where medicine was dispensed. Two of the team members were pharmacists. During the three days that we were in the village, over 875 patients were seen, over 300 teeth extracted, and many pairs of glasses were handed out. Also through donations, we had clothes and Bibles to hand out. The Honduran people were so patient waiting in the sun in long lines just to be seen. They were very appreciative for everything that was done for them as well as given to them. I would have to say that after being in Honduras the first day, and I, Hannah and I wondered if this was where we were supposed to be, but on our last day, we knew this was exactly where we needed to be. God can use you like he did us if you let him. If you will take that first step, God will lead you down that path. And if you ever get an opportunity to go on a mission trip, please go because you will be the one who is blessed as Hannah and I were. Thank you. Good morning. What a great word. Thank you, Celeste and Hannah, for sharing this morning. If you'll grab your bulletin, we, we will be reading responsively here in just a moment. 
And uh, before we do that, though, I want to remind you of what Wesley said. Next Sunday, if you are here as a guest today for the first time, you are invited. And if you have been coming for some time and have, have yet to join Boiling Springs, or maybe you've returned and haven't been here in some time, next Sunday at 945 in the Fellowship Hall, we would love to have you. We'll have a light breakfast and then be sharing a little bit more about Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Also, as you came in this morning, you may have noticed that we now have some children's sheets that are available for those of you who are uh, sitting with children this morning, whether young or a little bit older. They should be at every entrance or exit to the church, and we'll have, try to have those available each Sunday, so I appreciate those uh, helping me with that this week. And then also tonight at 615, there will be a meeting with the Welcome Hospitality team and our ushers, and so we encourage everyone who can to come to that time. But as we begin our service, as we continue to begin our service, let's look at our responsive reading, and I ask that you read what is in bold this morning. Though we may be inclined to brag, let us come together with humility. Though we may be tempted to use harsh words, let us come together with gentleness. Though we may want everything to happen quickly, let us come together with patience. Though the world around often encourages hate, let us come together in love. In humility, gentleness, patience, Love and unity. Let us worship the God who has called us together. As we continue to worship God together, our first hymn will be hymn number 613. And as we sing this, it gives us a chance to be thankful for the fact that we are not on this journey alone. We are all together, fellow pilgrims on the journey. <clears throat> Hymn number 613. Please stand.
coming. Um, I'm going to link this in. We've got any strong men in the church. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But there are a, a need this week, Thursday, they will be loading um, some of Katie Ruth Dixon's stuff from her home going to Asheville. Um, so if you are available on Thursday and have a back and some arms that can lift, see Bob Lamb today so that he can give you some details as to where to be and what to do. Um, speaking of strength, I'm going to ask Cedric to come up here real quick this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you a very serious question, okay? This is, this is, this is serious. Who is stronger, me or Cedric? <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna have we're gonna have a quick contest to see who's stronger. All right. We're gonna see who can do the most push-ups without stopping. Uh, this is what men do. Okay. It, we we arm wrestle and we see who can do the most push-ups to see who's stronger. Right. That's right. what we do. Okay. Here we go. You ready? All right. Go. Somebody count. Oh, I should have put a mic on set. Oh, I'm done. All right, you can quit now. All right, thank you. Thank you. Cedric won. For those of you who are listening and didn't get to witness it. Cedric, Cedric won. I didn't even keep track. I just know he was still going while I stopped. Okay. So nobody knows really how many more he did than me, right? You don't, you didn't, okay, good. Uh, you just know I stopped first. Uh, you know, that is something to think about a little bit when everybody talks about strength, and it's kind of hard to tell who's, who's strong and who's not. But I want to read you a passage of Scripture because I think Paul has a lot to say about strength. And, it, and it's not always about the physical strength either. But listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And Paul says, But he said to me, and he's talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we read that and we're like, so Paul is saying that when he's weak, he is strong. And what Paul is really saying is this, that he doesn't have the strength within himself to do what God has called him to do. And neither do we. You know, you heard Hannah and Celeste talking about they didn't have the abilities to do what God was leading them to do in Honduras, but they went on faith because they knew that God wanted them to go. Paul says, I am weak, but because I am weak, I trust in God. 
And that makes me strong. The strength of the Holy Spirit is way better and bigger than being able to do the most push-ups. And it's not about the physical strength, but it's about recognizing that I am weak, but God is strong. And that's who we trust. That's who we put our faith in. That's who we allow to guide us. So just remember that. When you don't feel like you have what it takes, you're at the perfect place. Because Jesus says, I will use you. I want you to do great things for me. Not so that you can boast. Not so that you can boast about how much you've done. But because you know who Jesus is. And he gives you the ability to do all things. For Paul says, when I am weak, I am strong. Let's pray. God, help us to trust you. Give us faith. Give us the ability to not boast in ourselves. But God, to give you all the glory for what you are doing in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Help us to realize, God, that you are big and you are strong and you can handle everything. So give us the ability to trust you in all things. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. is number 382. Please stand as we sing about God bringing us together, helping us to be strong when we are one in him. Number 382.
Before I pray this morning, many of us have had a lot of different things going on in our lives each week, and this week was no exception. And so I'm going to give us just a moment of silence, and then I'll be leading us in prayer. And so use that time if you just need to be still for a moment or to um, confess, or if you need to just thank God for a blessing that has happened in your life this week. Take, that, take a moment and do that, and then I will lead us together in prayer today. Father, thank you for the stillness of this moment. We're thankful that your presence is here with us in the midst of the loudest song and prayer and word that is spoken. And we're thankful that your presence is here with us in the still, quiet moment that this is. Lord, I'm thankful for what you are doing in each of our lives. I'm thankful for uh, Celeste and Hannah and others who went to Honduras. Lord, I'm thankful who, for men and women who respond to your call, whether that be here in our own community, whether that be around the world. Lord, I'm thankful that this church supports each of those callings. For those who feel called to things here locally and those who were who called to things around the world, Lord, help us to be in prayer and in support of these people, no matter where you call or when that call may come. Lord, remind each of us that we are to be on mission with you in our homes, at our jobs, in our community, at work. Lord, wherever it may be, wherever we find ourselves, you have called us to be on mission with you. We're thankful, Lord, that we have been given a gift that none of us deserve, that none of us earn, but is a gift given freely because of your love for us. It is a gift that we um, have been given, that we need to accept by grace through faith, what you have done for us in providing a way for us to be together with you. We're thankful that you call us into relationship with you and that, Lord, you allow us uh, the privilege to come to you, to speak with you, to pray about the, the things that are on our hearts. And so, Lord, we come this morning. Some of us may, in, for whatever reason, be angry in this room for something. We're thankful that we can be honest with you about that. For those who may be here this morning and be here with deep regret, over a past mistake, whether years ago or just recently. Father, you desire that we bring those to you this morning. For those that just need some encouragement today, I pray that they would find that. Help us to be honest with you, honest with ourselves this morning. Because, Lord, when we are, you begin to do your work. Father, we confess that we don't have a lot to offer. But, Lord, what we do have, help us to give that to you whether it be in the form of an offering and a gift that we place in it, or whether it be an offering of our lives and our service, our time, our resources. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray for the songs that will continually be sung today in service and worship to you. We pray for our spoken words. We pray for uh, just, uh, Lord, your word as it is read and preached. May it do its work in each of our lives. Meet each of us today, Lord, at the point of our need. And, Lord, help us uh, to give you the praise that you are so deserving of. When we leave this place today, help us to say it's good to have been in your house. It's in Jesus' name we ask this prayer. All of God's people said, amen.
You'll need your bulletins for the next hymn. Um, the tune will be very familiar to you. Um, the tune that we will sing these words to is The Church's One Foundation. Um, please stand as we sing these new words, uh, continuing in a spirit of prayer. I just was uh, back there thinking about, you know, what I was going to pray, and I happened to think of an old song. Um, I was thinking about where do our dollars go and our money, and where does one dollar go? And I was thinking, you know, maybe a dollar will go here or there, go there eventually from what we share. Um, and I got to thinking about the words of an old Chris Ledoux song, and it says, um, 
the title of the song is Working Man's Dollar, and it says, uh, one line says, I was tipped to a truck stop waitress, taped for I was torn, and in the hand of a child, I was laid in a plate on a church, in a church on a Sunday morning. And I just, I don't know if I like sharing that. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for letting us come to your house. We thank you, Lord, for the dollars and the, the money that went to build this church many years ago. We pray, Lord, that you'll take the dollars, the checks, the coins, whatever it may be, Lord, to serve somebody for you through us. We pray, Lord, for safety for our casual, uh, for our casual youth and, and leaders this week. And uh, Lord, thank you uh, for even our softball team winning uh, this trophy. That, um, that's a witness to other people uh, for our church and for you. Uh, take these tithes and offerings and use them as you will. In Jesus' name, amen.
that not make you want to say amen, I don't know what will. I mean, we can, I was going to say we could all just go home, but we better not. <laughs> that was beautiful, and I appreciate those talents. Um, I was just sitting there watching, and it just amazes me. And you, you watch, and you listen, and you just feel the Holy Spirit just right there with you. Um, I've been asked to read, um, we're going to start in Romans today, chapter 14, and the preacher thinks I'm an overachiever. He's given me the whole chapter. So if you will, read along with me. Again, we're in Romans 14. If you don't read along, just listen and allow my voice to mesmerize you here. (laughs) Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment or disputal matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than the other. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so for the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to his life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You, then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on Why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual identification Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. 
All food is clean, but it's wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because he's eating not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin.
Thank you, choir. Are you ready for some good news this morning? I want you to look to one or two people near you and say the following, I am unique. <laughs> okay, I think there's a lot of other words being exchanged there as well. Now I want you to look to those same people and say, and that's okay. Psalm 139 reminds us that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, a lot of husbands and wives, I'm sure, had some fun with that this morning. But uh, I know this may come as a shocker to many of you, but because of our uniqueness, we don't always see this, the things at church the same way. I know you're as shocked as I am. But it's true. But God blesses us all with different experiences and backgrounds and convictions. And as a result of that, in the midst of our uniqueness, we sometimes don't see things the same way at church. We disagree on theology or music or priorities or the use of money or dress. We, today's casual Sunday, so we're seeing a little bit of everything this morning. And, um, you know, uh, the question that I have for us as we begin today is how do we show hospitality to one another in the midst of our differences. How do we show hospitality to one another in the midst of our differences? Last week we looked at grace and what that looks like to offer grace to new faces, to people we don't yet know who come in the doors. And sometimes I would venture to say it may be easier to offer grace to people that we don't know. However, this week we're going to look at how do we offer grace to people that we know, who we disagree with, fundamentally, very strongly. How do we offer grace, and what does that look like? And what does the Lord have for us this morning? Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word that has happened earlier, and Father, you would now bless the preaching of your word. Lord, uh, hide me behind the cross. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. The passage that Karen read, and thank you for a great reading of that chapter. And I'm, uh, you know, I told her, I said, if you're willing, I need you to read the whole chapter. And she was willing to do that, and I'm grateful. But at first glance, Romans 14 is an odd passage. It echoes uh, what Paul wrote earlier in 1 Corinthians 8 about exercising liberty. And there's a lot of odd things here in this passage. Um, he encourages us to take care with our liberty. Paul was writing to the people in Rome, and he mentions groups who see things quite differently regarding a few things. Number one was those who approved of eating of the meat that had been offered as a sacrifice to an idol. Those who were convicted that this should never be done, and some who said, you know what, this is an idol, and it it doesn't matter. Some said, you know, who didn't think that they should eat any meat. Some Jews did not eat any meat. Some were vegetarians. The church in Rome had Jews who ate meat and did not observe certain uh, holidays. And they had those, again, who were vegetarian and did observe certain holidays. Some who did the opposite thought the others should do what they were doing. And we also see some said we should drink wine. Some said we should not drink wine. And then the other thing that was mentioned in the chapter, again, some who consider all days alike and others who think some days are more holier than others. Paul writes to address the different viewpoints that were happening here as he writes Romans 14. And before we dive right into the scripture this morning, I need to set the stage for us a little bit this morning as we deal with this topic of disagreeing. I've been in ministry for a long time, enough to hear people talk about 
the good old days. Now, the good old days can mean different things to different people. Sometimes the good old days was when the choir sang such and such a song or when preacher so-and-so did such and such. Uh, sometimes it means uh, the way people dressed. It could mean the traditional family values. It could mean the way we used to get together as a family and do this or do that. But the good old days can mean different things to different people. But mostly it refers to a time, I think, when people talk about the good old days, they talk about those good old days when a time when there was very little conflict. And the truth be known, no era has ever existed, whether it was just 20, 30 years ago, in, in your minds or in the life of the church where no conflict uh, existed. Uh, there hasn't been uh, such an error. Matter of fact, Paul talks about several things. One, 1 Corinthians uh, was written to resolve conflict. At the beginning there, I believe it's in chapter 1, since some said, I am of Paul. Others said, I am of Cephas, of Peter. Others said, I am of Christ. We know that Paul had disagreements with Alexander the coppersmith and also with Barnabas. In 2 Timothy 4, 14-15, he said, Paul wrote, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. Paul also references the differences between uh, Udiah and Syntyche in Philippians 4, 2. And he asked these two to live in harmony. We all know of splits that have happened in churches within denominations, and some of these splinter groups have went off to do well, and others uh, not so much. But yet, divisions have happened since the beginning of the church. We will all disagree, and we will all see things differently. We all have different backgrounds, different families, different experiences and opinions. However, we have been commanded or challenged to pursue unity. The responsive reading this morning that began our time near the beginning was based on Psalm 133, verse 1, where it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Jesus prayed in John 17 that my people may be one. Sometimes we're better at that than others. Some have even said, I've heard or read that scholars have said this is the only unanswered prayer of Jesus. John also informs us that Jesus said our love for one another is an effective way of sharing our faith. When he says in John 13, 35, the words of our Lord say, the world will know that we are his disciples by our beautiful building, no, by our wonderful choir, no, but by our love for one another. The world will know we are his by our love for one another. This morning, I want to share with you three points now, these are not all inclusive, but it gives us a good start. Three points about offering grace when we disagree at church. And this is based on Romans 14. Offering grace at church begins with accepting others who are different than we are. That's nothing too deep. Offering grace at church begins with accepting others who are different than we are. Verse 1 of chapter 14 says, Accept those Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment, on his opinions. In verse 3, Paul wrote, The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is, is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. I want to share something with you that I've learned over the years uh, when we think about offering grace. You know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that it may be easier for us to offer grace to, to a new person. However, sometimes uh, the opposite could be true in the sense that 
we meet someone and based on appearance or based on um, whatever criteria we use as we often judge others, uh, we, we come to these conclusions, unfortunately. Sometimes we just, it's natural, human, uh, that we do that sometimes. But I want to uh, offer this to you this morning. The greater the relationship that we have with someone, the greater the grace should be. The greater the love relationship, the greater the grace. If you don't know someone, it's a lot easier to judge them. But the stronger your relationship becomes, the greater the grace should become. You think about that. When you first meet someone, you may have these immediate conclusions, but then when you get to know them, you begin to understand them, you begin to see them and relate with them as a, as a person that has thoughts and opinions and feelings, and you begin to sometimes see things and see them a little bit differently. The subject matter is different in our day when we think about disagreeing. Uh, we're not talking about food, most likely. We're not talking about, although, you know, I'm still trying to get my wife to eat pork, but... Um, but we're not talking about food. We're not, you know, but it, it, it deals with other things. Um, and sometimes we're left uneasy around people who are really different than we are. And I think that's just a natural tendency as well. But sometimes we get around people that are really different than us. We just sometimes feel a little, a little uneasy. We must remember it was never God's design to put out cookie cutter people who act, think, dress, and see the world exactly the same way that we do. One of the most apparent differences that comes up often in churches is music. Um, many of you know that uh, for years now, I would say the last 20, 25 years, uh, that churches, uh, you know, one of the things when you first start starting to get to know a church, you ask them, well, what's their worship style? Are they contemporary? Are they traditional? And so we know for years, music has unfortunately been a source of disagreement in many churches. I heard a pastor recently, a Moravian pastor in Rural Hall, where I served as pastor at First Baptist Rural Hall. He was up the road at Rural Hall Moravian. We were talking about this one day over lunch. I loved to, to spend time with this man. He fit the Moravian pastor to a T. He had the beard and he would wear the round hat sometimes, look you know, like the Puritan uh, style, but a uh, very wise man, very patient, and uh, was a great mentor to me while I was at Rural Hall. But he said this one time about the music debate and the disagreements, and I think it applies to other things, not only music, but it could apply to many other differences in the church. He said, I often think about it like this. He said, you know, you have different generations in the church. You've got different people who see things differently. He said, I want to think, think about it as a gift. And he said, think about this. He said, the Sundays that uh, you're singing more traditional music, he said, that's the Sunday for the people who don't like the traditional music. music, we're going we're gonna to give them that gift today of, uh, of, of, of uh, singing this traditional music because we love them and we know they love that music and so we're going to give them that gift of enjoying this traditional music. But the opposite is also true. The mornings that the music may be more contemporary, where we may, may be singing some modern hymns or some more upbeat or, well, I don't want to say upbeat, but more contemporary hymns or songs, choruses, uh, that would be the Sunday for those who like the traditional music to say, you know what? people, we're going to also offer them today. We're going to turn this back around. We're going to give that gift to them today. This may not be my kind of music, but you know what? I love my brother. I love so-and-so here, and I know they enjoy that. So today I'm going to give them the gift of enjoying that kind of music. I thought that was a great analogy, a great summary of, uh, of, of worshiping together in unity in the midst of our differences in regards to music. We can't help but think of music. We think of scripture translations. Uh, it came up this morning in a, in a Bible study about 
with a group about how, you know, we, we have, we've always had some and still today that, that, you know, swear their allegiance by the King James Version. That was the version that God wrote, and uh, that's the version that, that should happen. And if those of you who are here today are following that camp of King James Version, I'm glad that you're here and you're welcome at Bowling Springs Baptist. However, we do look at other translations and read from other translations. But unfortunately, translations over the years has been one of those sources of contention. I read most Sundays from the New American Standard Bible, but I look each week uh, at the different translations, uh, many of them, as I prepare for my sermons each week. As we think about grace and offering this to one another who's dis- who we disagree with, it's not, a, it's not a be like me, act like me, or I will not accept you, but it's a grace that says, I accept you just as you are, no matter the music, no matter the translation, no matter the other differences that we may have. Other issues or disagreements in the past have centered around appropriate dress, hairstyles. I mean, you guys know this from years ago, uh, how nice you dress or if too nice or if, or sloppy or expensive car or home. You know, we have people saying, oh, have you seen the house they live in? Have you seen the car they drive? You know, we have all these different things. Uh, someone spends money on dinner and, or certain possessions, types of movies or TV shows they like. Folks, we need to lighten up. We need to lighten up. Thinking about our sermon series, Roots of Hospitality, the title this morning is Offering Grace When We Disagree at Church. No one wants to go to church and hear people uh, fussing over something. It's like a couple that we think about hospitality. It's like a couple that ask you over for dinner. And then when you arrive at their house, Roger and I were talking about this the other week. uh, And then when you arrive at their house, they start fussing with each other. It's just weird. It's odd. You don't want to be there, you know. Um, if I invite you over to my house and then Renee and I start fussing, it, it, it would be weird. It would be weird, and it, and it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen in a, a home situation like that. And unfortunately, sometimes it does happen at church because we are Baptist, and we all have a right to our views on things. That's part of what it means to be Baptist. But we need to, to learn, and we must continue to uh, sometimes agree to disagree, but uh, learn how to be hospitable in the midst of our disagreements. Verse 5 of chapter 14, Paul says that each believer must be fully convinced in his own mind. It's not our job to govern or control every aspect of someone else's life. I must confess, I've tried this at times, especially when I first got married. You know, you try to control, you try to, you know, uh, you know influence your spouse towards whatever side of the disagreement may be. But I, I quickly learned it didn't work out too good. Um, But we need to lighten up. Like I said earlier, we're not king of the mountain. There are times when clear sinful behavior actions need to be addressed, and there's a biblical way to handle this, but we're not talking about such matters today. We're talking about disputable matters, matters of opinion or matters of preference. So the first thing mentioned this morning is offering grace begins with accepting others who are different than we are. The second point this morning is offering grace to others at church releases them to be who they are, allowing God to direct their lives. Offering grace to others at church releases them to be who they are, allowing God to direct their lives. In uh, Romans 14, beginning at verse 5, one person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and give, thank, and give thanks to God, for not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. In verse 8, if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
Offering grace to others at church releases them to be who they are, allowing God to direct their lives. Control, control is a killer when it comes to grace. Oh, how I'd love to control certain things, and wouldn't we all? But showing grace to others at church lets them go, not in a harmful way, but grace gives room to let people grow. When we truly accept another person, we remember that the Lord is perfectly capable of directing that person's life. That should relieve us of the job of having to do it. It's our job to accept each other. It's God's job to direct them and not ours. Acceptance means people are valuable just as they are. It allows them to be the real them and not forced into a mold. Acceptance means we are safe to be ourselves and no one will destroy us out of prejudice. One of the distinctives of the Baptist faith is soul competency. And it means the God-given freedom and ability of persons to know and respond to God's will as they feel God is speaking to them. Sometimes that can be conflictual. Baptists believe that God gives people competency. That is the ability to make choices. Human beings are, are not puppets or machines. And God does not force or coerce compliance with his will. Neither faith nor love can be forced. When we offer grace, we are allowing the other person the right to see things differently. That's not always easy. Especially if, when we have firm convictions about what it is we believe and what it is we believe scripture says. What we offer, when we offer grace, we are allowing the other person the right to see things differently. Verse 8, again, that I just read, we need to remember that we are the Lord's and each one of us belongs to the same Lord. The last point that I wanted to mention this morning is offering grace to others at church means I don't have to take on God's role in someone's life. Being someone else's judge is a role that I am not qualified to fulfill. Romans 14, verses 10 through 12, Paul wrote, For you, um, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. When it comes to disagreeing with someone, number one is I don't know all the facts. It's hard for me to be totally objective about a situation. I cannot read motives. If we are honest, many in the room, including myself, could remember where we passed judgment only to find out how wrong or how off we were. But most of all, we ourselves are imperfect and inconsistent. I came across an illustration this week that I thought would be applicable to this about how we can sometimes judge not knowing all the facts. Uh, I don't know if you have ever, uh, let me just say it like this, uh, or I'll get in trouble. Um, growing up, there was a gentleman that was in our choir, Bob Campbell. He was my neighbor growing up, and he sang in our choir, and every Sunday morning during, during preaching, he would doze off. And I, I thought as a kid, you know, finally I just, I, I, I kind of, it puzzled me a little bit. But later in life, I asked my parents about, they said, well, Bob has a condition. Bob has something that, um, you know, and it, my parents told me what it was. And it says when he sits still for any length of time, he falls asleep. And I said, oh, 
Well, the whole church knew that, and the church had been offering grace. Now, the new member or the guest that doesn't know Bob may not. You, you see what I'm saying? Once you get to know people, and it's, it's, easier, to, it's easier to offer that grace. Some, some other illustrations about that issue. Um, you know, how many of them were up working all night if they struggle with, with this? How many are taking medication that makes them drowsy? How many of them were up most of the night with an older senior family member or a small sick child or baby? How many of you here right now have, have been guilty of misjudging someone? We will not always agree with everybody on everything, but we must still let each other be free to agree or disagree. We are not qualified to judge anybody. God alone is the judge. In conclusion this morning, I want to share some, uh, some things that I've, I've heard when it comes to some thoughts that will help us, excuse me, in offering grace. Some thoughts that will help us in offering grace. And I came across these some time back, and I think they're very appropriate as we think about the scriptures today uh, of, of Roman and this topic of grace to one another at church. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says, So then we pursue, or in other translations will say, Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. First of all, number one is let us dwell on the things that encourage peace and that assist in one another's growth. Let us dwell on the things that encourage peace and assist in one another's growth. We need to ask ourselves, is this going to help or is this going to hurt? Is this going to help for the sake of unity and the sake of peace or is this going to hurt? Is it going to hurt and offend or will it strengthen? Number two, remember that looking down on others hurts the work of God in you and in others. God intends for all of us to be different. And sometimes we need to let that happen. That looking down on others hurts the work of God in you and in others. Number three is don't force others to think or act like you. Let them be different. Let them be themselves. Number four is determine where you stand and refuse to play God in anybody's life. Determine where you stand and refuse to play God in anybody's life. Let others be themselves and pay attention to what God is trying to say and make of you. Sometimes we're so concerned about some things around us or other people that we miss some things that God may be trying to say to you and to me, to each of us personally. In conclusion, God is working on each of us, or I could say in each of us, to form us into his image. This shaping and forming into his image doesn't mean we all act, think, and look the same. He still values our uniqueness. What I love and what I love about Bowling Springs Baptist Church is the diversity that is here. I shared with someone new to Bowling Springs last week that, you know, we're a diverse church. I enjoy that diversity. Sometimes that diversity can be a source of, you know, you kind of, this group and this group, you kind of wanting folks to kind of come on your side with what you believe and how you see things. But I believe that diversity can be a strength. And I believe that diversity here at Boiling Springs Baptist is your strength. Uh, we learn from one another. We grow from one another. And we begin to go down the road of wanting everyone to think and believe and act and dress just like us. That's not a healthy place to be. But we can all learn and grow from one another. What I love about this, and I, I need to say this, is that I have been around many people here at Boiling Springs Baptist who see some things differently who see the world or careers or family or, or whatever, whatever it may be. But one of the greatest things that I am pleased with as your new pastor 
as I walk away from these different people who see things differently, having felt the presence of Christ when I've talked with them. Now, if this person and this person, these two different people that I was talking with were together, they would disagree on some things. But yet when I was with that person, I felt the presence of Christ and I was pleased, made my heart smile. We talked last week about the smiling person, you are loved. I felt that when I was with this person. But then I was over here with this person who didn't see quite the the things the same way as this person. And yet I felt the presence of Christ here as well. We have diversity. God is hard at work at shaping us into the image that he has in mind, Jesus Christ. He wants each of us to be unique. There's only one you and there's only one me. So as we think about things this morning, let me summarize it. The, let me, let's resolve in our hearts and minds this morning to offer grace when we disagree. Grace that accepts those who are different. Grace that lets God direct their lives and bring them closer to himself. And let us offer grace by not playing judge over someone's life. This is never our role, and we are not qualified to fulfill this role. It's God's. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes this morning as we move into a time of invitation. I want to ask you two questions. The first of which, have you responded to the grace of God in your life? The grace that God offers you this morning is a free gift. It's not based on your credentials. It's not based on um, uh, anything that you can do to earn it. It's offered freely, and his forgiveness is offered to you this morning. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Have you come to faith in Jesus Christ? The second question that I have for you this morning is relating a little bit more to the sermon that we've talked about, offering grace to one another when we disagree at church. Are relationships strained with others in your life or family members this morning, other church members, because maybe you've refused to let other people be? Maybe you refuse to to give them the permission to be themselves, to be different than you? I want to invite each of us this morning to allow the grace of God not only to consume our own hearts and our own lives, but what does that look like in relationship to other people this morning? Father, we come to you today and we, we thank you for your word. It allows us to sometimes deal with things that are uncomfortable, things that are a little, um, a little odd, things that make us feel a little, a little different sometimes or that we may disagree on. We're thankful that your Holy Spirit, Father, can bring a sense of unity in the midst of those disagreements. We're thankful for your grace. Lord, teach us what that means to offer it to other people who do not see things the way we do. Teach us what that means to live in community, in a faith community, in which others don't see things the same way that we do. And teach us more about what it means to offer grace to our fellow member. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today, and maybe you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the invitation, the altar is open, and we would invite you to come. You can pray there in your seat, in your pew where you are. Uh, If you need to pray about something, or if you need to, whether you can do that in your pew, you can do that here at the altar. But we invite you to come and allow the Lord to speak to your heart as we stand and sing. Number 489. Please stand. Thank you.
want to invite you to be seated. If you are with us today as a guest, we are going to have a brief moment of uh, business conference today, and uh, you would be welcome uh, to, uh, to leave if you would like to. You're welcome to stay as well. We offer that hospitality of welcome to stay for our business conference. However, we will be entering into a few moments of business conference, and so uh, we want to give you that time to leave if you would like to. Also, uh, please be mindful before our business conference. Wesley mentioned it earlier, but our youth leave tomorrow morning for youth camp. And so be in prayer for Wesley. He's coming. He just got back from the beach, and he's leaving again in the morning to go back. So uh, they're headed to Camp Caswell, and that's always, I mean, it was in my own life a great time of inspiration for the youth. And uh, so be in prayer for them as they leave tomorrow morning. But now I'm going to turn things over to, to Max. service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.